0: It's Wednesday, December 1st, which means it's time to start the holiday music, but not yet. That'll come at the end of the show. Welcome to Market Fullerig. I'm Chris Hill, joining me from the financial capital of the United States of America, Maria Gallagher. Good to see you.
1: Nice to see you too.
0: Once again, we have a trio of third quarter earnings. We will talk apparel, we will talk cloud. We're going to start with software. Salesforce making headlines in more ways than one. Profits and revenue were higher than expected, but shares of Salesforce down a little more than 6% this morning, because guidance for the fourth quarter was not what Wall Street wanted to see. Also, President and Chief Operating Officer Brett Taylor has been promoted to Co-CEO and Vice Chairman of the Board of Directors. We will get to that decision in a minute first in terms of the results and the guidance what stands out to you
1: right so like you said the results were pretty strong their revenue was 6.86 billion up about 27% which is in line with estimates they are on track to reach 50 billion in revenue by 2026 they're expecting revenue up for the full year of about 26.39 to 26.4 billion which is up about 24%, but something important I think to look at when you're studying companies like Salesforce is understanding how their acquisitions are performing. So, one of their recent acu- acquisitions, MuleSoft, which is a cloud application builder, has encountered problems scaling up, which weighed on their revenue, which they talked about a little bit this quarter. Slack, on the other hand, which they acquired earlier this year for 27.7 billion, actually outperformed expectations, which is good to see. So, Slack Connect, which allowed intercompany messages between customers, saw 176% growth, um, and so they're saying. It's going to be a couple more quarters before Slack's fully integrated. But so that is important to look at not just those top line numbers, but understanding how their acquisitions are doing. So it was good to see about Slack, and I'll be interested to see how MuleSoft uh, performs in the next couple of quarters as well.
0: Yeah, obviously, if you're a shareholder, anytime there's an acquisition, you, you want to follow what the company is saying. What are their own expectations for how long this is going to take to integrate, that sort of thing? You want them all to work. My hunch is, if you're a Salesforce shareholder, and you were going to be told, one of these is working out better than the other, you'd be happy that the answer was, it's Slack that's working, because that was, even for a company the size of Salesforce, that was a big acquisition they made, and there were people uh, skeptical, (laughs) among other things. I mean, there were people who just thought it was a bad idea, but there were plenty of people who were like, I think I understand this. But that's a, a decent chunk of money.
1: Yeah, it is definitely the one that you want to see performing well. It's the one that people are going to be paying a lot of attention to. It's one of their biggest name acquisitions that they've done. So it's good to see how strong it's doing. I I think it'll be interesting to see how it gets integrated and how that kind of increases their revenue in different ways because obviously they're trying to compete more with Microsoft and, you know, have those abilities of a A full business software company. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch, kind of see how it it continues to compete.
0: Now, I don't know what your reaction was to uh, the news about a co CEO. Um, First of all, what a week for Brett Taylor. On Monday, he's named chairman of the board at Twitter, and now he's uh, co CEO of Salesforce. So it's a good week to be Brett Taylor. I don't know about you, but my first thought was didn't Salesforce do this? Once before? Didn't Mark Benioff try this with Keith Block and it ended with Keith Block leaving the company because the co CEO thing wasn't working out? I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe second time's a charm. Certainly there are second marriages that work out better than first marriages, but I don't know, Maria. I, I'm still waiting to see the really shining example of the co CEO thing working out well for everybody involved.
1: And it's interesting because it Keith Buck pretty recently stepped down. He stepped down in twenty twenty. So it's not like we've really learned from the past, where we've we've had enough time to really think about it and try again. It's pretty recent in terms of now having a new co-ceo. So I agree with you. I think a, a lot of people are thinking, again, didn't we didn't we just do this? So it'll be interesting to see maybe maybe second time will be the charm.
0: And Benioff is, I think, about 10 years older than Brett Taylor. So, you know, if I'm being charitable, and, and I think Benioff has spoken a little bit to this, basically, you know, saying it's an opportunity for him to take a little bit more time off. You know, the, this could be a prelude to in two to three years down the line. Benioff says, All right, I'm. Stepping down as co-CEO and uh, the company is now in the hands of someone with experience um, in the corner office. I don't know, the, and you know, I was t- going back and forth with Andy Cross yesterday a little bit about this because I, I I sort of raised that question to him: like, has this worked? Has this ever really worked well? And the the one example he gave me was Atlassian, which is a great you know, Atlassian has had co-founders and co-CEOs for for years. Um, to me, that's a little different because they started the business together. They, you know, I'm, I'm st- again, I'm still. Feel free to email marketfulery@ful.com if you've got a great example of an existing CEO saying, "I'm bringing on a co-CEO," and that working out well. Um, with all of my skepticism around that aside, when you look at shares of Salesforce down six percent today, down ten percent in the last two days. One last thought I had about Salesforce was I'm not a shareholder. Maybe, maybe this is a buying opportunity. I don't know. Does it? Does this look like? Um, I guess my question is: How good an entry point does Salesforce look at this price? If you're looking to hold this thing for five to ten years?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think a lot of times with with moves like this, you think to yourself: Are these thesis busting moves? Are these mission critical changes in revenue that are concerning or are people just reacting to short-term news? And I think a lot of times this, especially with Salesforce for right now, this is uh, nothing that I saw was super concerning. Everything was really trending in the right direction. They have obviously had incredible performance over the past five, ten years. Mark Benioff has proven time and again to be a really good CEO. So, I mean, I think if you liked it a couple of days ago, you should like it now. I think a lot of people like it, including myself. I also am not a shareholder, but a lot of times a company like Salesforce is, if someone said to me, Why aren't you a shareholder? I don't think I'd have a really good response. I'd just be like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should be.
0: Well, you know, now that we're talking about it on this show, we'll have to wait for the internal trading restrictions at our company to blow over, and then maybe we can buy a few shares. Uh, Let's move on to uh, what appears to be a strong third quarter for Box. Profits and revenue both higher than expected for the cloud storage company. Shares of Box up 12% today.
1: I, so, I talked to Tim Byers a little bit this morning about Bo- the, these results from Box. and In his words, he's described this as a breath of fresh air from the company. So, it was their third consecutive quarter of accelerating grow- growth. It's up to 14%, which is not crazy high, but it's still 14%. Uh, their revenue was $224 million. Their billings grew about 25%. They have a net retention rate of 109%, which is up from 103% a year ago. So those are all things trending in the right direction. They've had a bunch of new products. They're um, working on deeper integrations with Office, Salesforce, Slack, and Zoom. They've had momentum in their suites products. So they're really expanding their wins, um, and they're really excited about them. They're guiding for 15% revenue growth, which is for the... uh, for the next quarter and 13% for the year, which is an acceleration from the growth of 11% last year. So, I think that Tim described it well. It's just a breath of fresh air. It's not, you know, incredible, but it's better than it's been in the past, and it's trending in the right direction for Box.
0: Yeah, he follows it more closely than I do, but um, I get his point. I mean, this is this is one of those companies that, at various points in the last few years, has seemingly had a lot of promise. Um, it's still just a four billion dollar company, even with the move up today, and I. It, it seems like it's in that category of businesses that, particularly for shareholders, when they see results like this, they look at it and they think, okay, we, you know, as as you mentioned, uh, third quarter in a row of accelerating growth. I'm sure shareholders are like, great, let's get a couple more. Let's 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 get on a little bit of a hot streak going here because the, you know, this is this is. Uh, just been an up and down stock for a few years now,
1: yeah, it's pretty volatile. I think that shareholders are really hoping that this catches momentum and that they see growth accelerating. I think that net retention rate accelerating and growing is a really good sign. and hopefully some of these new wins with customers and their expansion with customers will be good for them moving forward. I think that um, like you said, I think a lot of shareholders are saying like, okay, we've we've got we've got a couple. Let's get a couple more. Let's keep it going.
0: Allbirds is out with its first report as a public company. Uh, This is the company best known for its footwear. Uh, Revenue was up 33% in the quarter, but the loss was nearly double what it was a year ago. And shares of Allbirds down 8% this morning and down nearly 40% from where it finished on opening day.
1: Yeah, Allbirds is a tricky one. So their revenue was up 33%. Their the revenue in the U.S. was up forty-two percent. Their international revenue was up ten percent. They opened four stores, which uh, ended the quarter with thirty-one locations. So that's part of the reason that loss widened. It was ex- they're expanding more into physical retail. Um, they're saying that there's a strong response to their new product and in innovation, including performance apparel line, which I think is an interesting route to go. I think it's expected, but also very competitive. You have Nike with about. Thirty-nine to forty percent of that industry. Adidas with about twenty percent, and then up, up-and-comers in the performance area are people will talk more about Hoka or On. People aren't really talking that much in, in my experience, about this performance apparel line. So I think that that's going to be a little bit tricky for them to gain a lot of traction in. I do really admire the company. They have this uniqueness surrounding their brand and their integration of ESG with Inception, which I think helps it stand out. But I think that really helps it stand out in terms of. Leisure wear, so I do think that it'll be interesting to see how successful they are in that growth because they they need that growth in different areas to keep accelerating.
0: Yeah, the expanding into the apparel that makes sense. They appear to be doing it in a smart way. They're you know they're they're just sort of methodically rolling out a few products here and there. So that that's smart. Um, one of the challenges I think for this business is sort of the balance of. Uh, E-commerce and uh, the store traffic. You know, this they really sort of started out as an online brand. Um, There's a way to to do that well, Um, and fortunately, they're not going. You know, in the same way they're being methodical in how they roll out their apparel. They're being methodical in how they roll out their stores. You know, four four stores is not a lot. You know, to roll out at any one period of time. Um, I love their products. These are the most comfortable shoes I've ever owned in my life. I've, I've bought several pair of Allbirds, I love them, um, but I've made that mistake before as an investor, um, in, in particularly in this space with Under Armour, with saying, okay, to my way of thinking, the toughest thing to get right is the product. And having a product that truly stands out, and you know, the mistake I made with Under Armour was, well, they got the toughest thing right. I'm sure they can figure out the rest, and that really hasn't worked out for me as a shareholder. So I'm not going to make that mistake with Allbirds, um, even though I love the product itself, um, and they're a new public company. You mentioned the ESG. This, as you said, this is a big part of their brand. They, uh, I think, the phrase ESG appears in their S-1 filing nearly 100 times. Um, Which leads me to this, the fact that they make good products, they've really leaned into ESG, those things combined to make me think, this is not a big company and I could see someone making an offer to buy them in the next two to three years before they really get their feet under them, no pun intended, um, as a public company. I don't know, i it's one more reason I'm not going to buy shares of Walbird's because i I, do, I it's not going to surprise me if someone looks at the products they make and the branding and the brand halo that comes with the ESG for this company and says, yes, we will buy them for you know a billion dollars more than whatever their current market cap is.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting, and it's so hard, especially with consumer retail. I think investors and consumers are so fickle in their attention. So, the hot shoes, I mean, I think Rothy's a couple of years ago were the shoes everybody had and then I feel like, uh, kind of, Allbirds has stolen a little bit of their thunder in terms of that sustainable angle of your getting recycled shoes or shoes made from better material. So I do think that that's hard, but I agree. I think that they would be a really interesting acquisition target for some some bigger companies that are trying to maybe rebrand, try and talk about um, leaning more into that sustainability, which a lot of these brands are doing. I think that especially if they're expanding into their physical retail, when you integrate ESG and sustainability with your core mission, people are going to be a lot more critical of it. Um, And so expanding into physical retail, that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that impacts their overall environmental footprint, right? And so, what are those kinds of costs and benefits that they're doing, and how transparent are they with them? I will give them credit that if you go onto their website, you, they have a sustainability section right on their branding website. It's really comprehensive. It's really interesting. I think there's it's backed by a lot of data, which I think is one of my favorite things to see. You see sometimes a lot of times with these brands, they have a lot of buzz terms, but not a lot of specific data about their company. And I really think Alberts deserves a lot of credit for how transparent they've been thus far. And so I'll be interested to see um, how they grow. Or I. I wouldn't be surprised either if they become an acquisition target because I think they have the brand loyalty. They have the good, the goods that people like. Um, and so they are before they're off to the races, pun intended. Um, I think that that might be something we see.
0: So before we wrap up, as I mentioned, it's December 1st. And if you're relatively new to this show, um, what we have done starting in 2015, uh, and by we, I mean me and Dan Boyd, the man behind the glass. And by Me and Dan Boyd, I mean, it's mostly Dan Boyd um, because his knowledge of music is vastly superior to mine. Um, We've had a mission in the month of December to celebrate holiday music that never makes it to the radio. All these, hundreds of radio stations flip to the holiday format and they just keep playing the same songs and they're fine. But there are so many other great songs out there that we want to celebrate. So, um, that's what we do in the month of December. Also want to wish happy birthday today to Mike Gee, uh, one of our listeners. Um, I believe he's in Sweden, and the reason I believe that is he sent me a holiday song that's in Swedish. Um, I don't know if we're going to get that on, we'll see. Um, But thank you, Mike. Thank you for listening and happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, uh, Maria Gallagher, always great talking to you. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Last som håller mig fast i ett järngrepp varje vinter När året är slut och snön ligger ljud Och slädarnas medar slinter Jag vill ha mer jul, ge mig Tommarknappa stanar Så ge mig 30 grader kallt Tomtar överallt och en skog Av gröna granar Jag vill ha snötyngda hus Tusentals ljus där kulor i driver Bjäller klacksamma Kompange man Och alla julen skriver Jag vill rimm och mer av vill ha säck, knäck fetare från grisen krams, längre långt